1: So right now, my number one focus and the staff focus is the boys, is the players. That we make sure that they're okay. I appreciate Trev and administration for showing faith in me to lead the program. This is about Nebraska football is bigger than me than anyone else and I want y'all to understand that it's bigger to me than anyone else I want to thank the fans for continuing to support us and and to ride with us and to stay with us through thick and thin you they've done that I want you to know this a a great opportunity for me and my family we understand that we're here to represent the University of Nebraska to the fullest. Any questions?
0: Those were the first public comments from Mickey Joseph, Nebraska's new interim head coach. It's somewhat strange in this very specific context to realize Scott Frost is done appearing at the top of this show. Could do an entire show just about that what it means what it signifies maybe we'll do that someday there's no time right now number six Oklahoma comes to town Saturday Mickey Joseph's playing career as a Nebraska quarterback effectively ended against the Sooners with a freak injury his recruitment as a highly touted option quarterback from Louisiana came down to Oklahoma and Nebraska those are interesting anecdotes but only anecdotes they add intrigue ahead of the game And if NU wins, there'll be a nice detail to put in stories after the game. But this podcast is staunchly devoted to the game itself. If you had to quantify what this coaching change means for the next Nebraska game, where would you start? I'd start here. However, you feel about frost, not working out at Nebraska, the Huskers now at least have the freedom to just go play football. It's possible when you think back to 2017 and how that season started to go, they haven't really had that opportunity since 2016. There was so much tension, so so many expectations with Frost when he arrived in 2018. You kind of got a little bit of a free roll that first year, but when things weren't turning around by the middle of 2019, uh, it started to get pretty heavy. you had gone into this game with frost as the coach i wouldn't have given the huskers much of a shot against a team like oklahoma it's not a direct critique of frost's coaching acumen it's solely based on the weight that i just mentioned for whatever reason this didn't work it's no longer an existing pressure for the huskers it's a past pressure and i think nebraska has a better shot to beat oklahoma for that reason alone it has a better shot in all of the remaining games for that reason and that's why athletic director trev alberts probably had to make the move when he did Nebraska still has a chance to have a season that ends with some hopefulness for the future that opportunity didn't feel like it existed after the loss to georgia southern so trev made a quarterback change and so here we are You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast, Huskers Sooners Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor, Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We'll kick off the first half of the show with a sad look back at last week. So that Georgia Southern game went in such a way that I never would have seen coming. My three keys for the Huskers to win last week were, one, keep the Eagles below A 15% explosive pass rate. Nebraska was at 16.1% in that game, so didn't hit it. But that really wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't the big plays because Georgia Southern was gaining good yards consistently on the small plays. More on that in the second half as it applies to Oklahoma. The Eagles did whatever they wanted on offense, and I'm still somewhat shocked by the degree to which that was the case. Key number two last week, fewer than four and a half tackles for loss allowed. Nebraska only allowed three. and The offense looked pretty great last Saturday. For the first time in the nearly 100 year history of Memorial Stadium, Nebraska lost when scoring 35 plus points at home. It's tough to argue that the the offense didn't do enough last week. um, The Huskers kept the negative plays to an acceptable amount, but it didn't matter because the defense didn't get more than three stops. Third key, similar reason, defense. Nebraska winning time of possession for the first time this season didn't matter either. The Huskers had the ball for nearly 32 minutes. They needed it for about 30 seconds more to have a better shot to tie than a 52-yard field goal attempt. All in all, the game film for last week's IED preview was not good, just like it wasn't good for Nebraska. Still shocked by by how easily the Eagles move the ball. With that said, we'll move to this week's game with a look at the point spread. Because this is Husker Sooners, this was one of those games that gets a very early line as a game of year at Sportsbooks back in May when Nebraska was still a team with strong bounce-back potential. OU opened as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at a handful of places. When I happened upon a line for this game last Saturday, before Nebraska had even played, it was OU minus nine. Sunday afternoon, shortly after Frost's firing, it was up to Oklahoma by 14. And midweek, it would come back down to the 11- or 12-point range, depending on where you looked. After all that's changed since last May already for Nebraska, that's probably where it should be. SP plus power rating from ESPN ranks Nebraska 59th this week. Uh, Obviously (laughs) trending in the wrong direction there. Uh, Oklahoma comes in at fifth. That model would have the Sooners favored by 14 on Saturday. The football power index also from ESPN ranks Nebraska 59th as well. But it has Oklahoma down at 15th, resulting in a projected margin of Sooners minus nine and a half. Average those two out, and you're looking at about 12 points in favor of the Sooners. The power ratings, folks, they're often pretty good, particularly if you combine more than one. Let's look at some key players in this one. We'll start with the Sooners. First for me, quarterback Dylan Gabriel, formerly of UCF, has looked pretty good in Crimson so far. His 70.6 completion percentage ranks 22nd nationally. He's thrown five touchdowns to zero interceptions and averages 10.4 yards per attempt. Ninth nationally. Number two, linebacker Danny Stutzman. Probably tough to miss. He ranks 15th nationally with 10.5 tackles per game through two games. He also had four tackles for loss in the win over Kent State last week. Enough win cut in half to rank him 15th on a per game basis after two games. He had zero tackles for loss in the opener. Third wide receiver, Marvin Mims junior. He ranks ninth nationally at 122 receiving yards per game. He's one of the skill position players that, OU didn't lose after Lincoln Riley's departure. And the Sooners are leaning on him pretty heavy. He's averaging 24.4 yards per catch so far this season. So, yeah, a guy, you kind of need to know where he's at. We'll flip it to Nebraska. Um, and because this is a big game between power five opponents, old rivals, uh, I'll go with quarterback here too for the, for the big red Casey Thompson. It's a big spot for him. He's faced Oklahoma before with all of the stakes that come with every OU Texas game. Last year, Thompson threw five touchdowns against the Sooners as Texas built a big lead only for it to evaporate. He's completing slightly more passes this year at Nebraska than he did at Texas and probably has to have his best game yet for the Huskers to pull this off. But so far, I would say I have been, Casey Thompson's been a little bit better even than than expected. Number two for the Huskers, edge rusher Garrett Nelson. In games like this against a top 10 opponent, Your best players need to play well. Nelson didn't record a tackle through the first two quarters against Georgia Southern. It was a shocking absence and perhaps as telling as anything from the loss to the Eagles, Nebraska is playing well. You notice Garrett Nelson. It was too easy. Not to last week. That's got to change. Number three here for similar reasons. Linebacker, Luke Reimer. He's another one I'd put in the quote, best players category for Nebraska. But last week wasn't one for the highlight reel. Probably needs to be the case this week. I think you're starting to see a little bit of what Nebraska lost on the defensive line with what's happening with Reimer. He still leads the Huskers in tackles, but 64% of his tackles this year have been assisted tackles. Just 44% were last year. That will take us to halftime. Here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with the forecast for Saturday. You can follow Rusty on Twitter at Husker Weather and check HailVarsity.com throughout the week for updates from him ahead of game
2: day. Hi there, everybody. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hail Varsity. This is the I-80 Preview Podcast forecast. And it, it's another one of those weeks where just a little bit of everything is going to be possible. Summer's still here, so the heat is going to be sticking around. Now, if you're out and about tailgating which means you're up very early in the morning because it's an early kickoff. From the 6 to 7 a.m. time frame, a few scattered showers, maybe an isolated thunderstorm, otherwise partly cloudy skies and temperatures in the middle 60s, a bit of a south breeze. Now between 8 and 10, that wind starts to pick up in the morning out of the south at 10 to 20, maybe 25 miles per hour. A few scattered showers and thunderstorms possible, but again, otherwise partly cloudy skies and temperatures around 70 degrees. Now as we get to kickoff, which is at 11 a.m., We'll be in the middle 70s for temperature. So not bad there. That scattered shower and thunderstorm chance, again, it's not going to be widespread. It won't be all day. It's just small chances on and off throughout the day. And that south wind picking up at 10 to 25 miles per hour. By halftime, it gets a little on the hot side. We'll see temperatures that will be in the lower 80s. Dew points shouldn't be terrible. We're looking at like the the lower 60s, if that. It could be the upper 50s. So not a bad dew point, but still, if you're in the stadium, or outside for a good portion of the day a good portion of the game and there's sunshine that uh, those lower middle 80s maybe even the upper 80s it'll start to feel hot but by halftime uh, that thunderstorm chance still there otherwise partly cloudy temperatures in the lower 80s south wind 10 to 25 miles per hour and then by the fourth quarter could be in the upper 80s maybe 90 but i don't think quite that hot that small thunderstorm chance, then partly cloudy skies and south wind at 10, 20, maybe 25 miles per hour. So that's your forecast, a little hot, uh, but, uh, you know, it is still September. It is f- still technically summertime. So for updates, you can always follow all my social media. Uh, that's Husker Weather for all Husker-related forecasts. My personal one, Rusty WX. that's all Lincoln and Nebraska all the time. And of course, all of Hail Varsity's social media channels and their website. Go Big Red!
0: On to the second half, where we, of course, each week focus on the only question that matters. How does Nebraska win this football game? Oklahoma's 2-0 on the season, having beaten UTEP 45-13, and Kent State 33-3, both of those games in Norman, of course. That's a total differential of 62 points on the year. This week's SP Plus ratings view OU as about 78 points better than those two opponents. It hasn't been, as you'd expect for any new coach, a seamless transition necessarily for Oklahoma. The Sooners have won comfortably, just not as comfortably as you'd maybe expect the number six team in the country to do. Is there anything here Nebraska can use to its advantage? Maybe. Key number one. This is a, it's going to be, it's, it's a strength on strength matchup in this particular area. OU's defense, as you'd expect under Brent Venables, looked pretty strong against two overmatched opponents. Nebraska's offense, despite two losses in three games, has looked pretty strong as well. How does that play out on Saturday? This game, I think, will be decided by two things primarily. One, which team controls the game with their offense? Oklahoma hasn't done that at all, really, through two games. The Sooners had the ball for less than 22 minutes each time, which is fine if you can score a ton of points. And they did put up 78 points against their first two opponents. But you, it, it, it puts such a... You, you've you really got to put up points if you're going to have the ball that little. And it gets tougher to do as the competition level increases. Nebraska was in this spot a lot under Frost. The offense moved the ball against most teams, but it was never really in control. Rarely won time of possession. We it, it would have... A higher degree of third and longs than you'd like to see for a team that's, that's putting up as many yards. I mean, it was just a little bit of a high wire act, which is kind of the definition of not being in control. Time of possession isn't everything on its own. Of course, we saw that last week. It often matters. And I think it matters again here this week. If Nebraska has an edge in time of possession, it likely means the offense had a pretty good day, and it would also limit a smarting defense uh, based on on last week. Nebraska's defense should be smarting, um, but it would probably limit that defense's exposure to an Oklahoma offense that still could be pretty good. If winning time of possession means that OU scored almost every time it had the ball, the case with Georgia Southern last week, then throw it out. doesn't matter. But typically, that's not how things go. Nebraska's offense is its best asset so far, and it has to be in control of this game. So far, these two offenses can go as fast as any in the country. Through two games, Oklahoma runs a play every 21.7 seconds, which is 12th nationally. That's kind of new offensive coordinator Jeff Levy's thing. Nebraska, though, isn't far behind. It's run a play every 22.7 seconds, 15th nationally. Both these offenses want to go fast and can go fast. Going slow is the luxury of team and control. Even though we got burned by this stat last week, I'm making it the first number to watch again this week neither team enters this game having possessed the ball for more than 23 minutes on average something has to give somebody has to win time of possession the team that does i have a feeling probably wins the game key number two can the huskers defense wreak some havoc last year's black shirts defense a pretty good one when it came to keeping points off the board was strangely pedestrian when it came to success rate ranking just 81st nationally. Its points allowed, about 23 points a game, was better than its down-to-down efficiency. This year's defense, not in the same class as last year's, which I think we knew coming in, just based on what the Huskers were going to have to replace, has fallen even further behind in success rate. Nebraska ranks 125th after three games. Problem with that, it's not an easy thing to fix in season. It's also part of the reason success rate is a stat worth looking at. And if you listen to the show, you hear me mention it perhaps ad nauseum, but it's not a very random stat. It's not a volatile stat. It passes the bucket test in that teams that are good success rate in the first half of the season tend to be pretty good in the second half of the season. That's not the case with some things like turnovers or even explosive plays. So, the writing might be on the wall here for, for, for this Husker defense. There's no easy fix for just keep getting teams behind the chains more often. How do you at least keep counteract that? Because that might be the only real avenue realistically available here as the Huskers go through these next nine games. Well, one big thing, if you're not going to be a good success rate team, you got to keep the big plays down. That's how Nebraska did it a year ago. They were elite at limiting explosive plays this year. They rank 75th so far in explosive play percentage. That might not be on the table either. So you've got to come up with a way then to make some splash plays on defense. Force fumbles, tackles behind the line of scrimmage, interceptions, and pass breakups. Those are the three components of Havoc rate. The Huskers ranked 97th nationally in that category, 13.9% of plays. They're getting one of those. Oklahoma's offense is better than average at avoiding Havoc. The Sooners ranked 49th nationally at 13.4% allowed. This Oklahoma team has yet to turn the ball over through two games. They're 28th, tackles for loss allowed per game at 4.0. The Huskers, despite that, have to find a way to make some of those things. TFLs and turnovers happen to have a shot at slowing this Oklahoma offense down. The threshold here might be pretty high, but if Nebraska were to get a havoc rate of 17%, it might be giving itself a chance. You figure Oklahoma, based on its first two games, is going to run maybe 65 plays, so you're looking for about 11 havoc plays out of that. Some combination of pass breakups, interceptions, TFLs, and forced fumbles. Of course, you can always put extra emphasis on the takeaways. Interceptions were really the only way Nebraska could stop Georgia Southern. It was a, a bizarre thing. Oh, well, let me, let me back that up. It was bizarre because it wasn't bizarre to see Nebraska lose while going plus two in turnover margin. The Huskers were just three and three under Frost with that turnover margin from 2007 through 2017. So, one last year of Callahan, all of Pellini, all of Riley. Nebraska was 16 and 0 when finishing with a turnover margin of two or more, plus two or more, that is. So, Another weird one for for the record books. Key number three. So I mentioned I thought there were two things that, that were really key to this game. This is the other one. Which team is going to have the better finishing kick? And I'm not talking about the end of the game. I'm talking about the end of drives. Through three games, Nebraska's been really pretty strong in this area. The Huskers ranked 27th nationally at 4.9 points per trip on drives that cross the opponent's 40-yard line. Nebraska has also had 12 red zone trips and scored 11 touchdowns, 91.7%, which is tied for ninth nationally. Oklahoma's defense, however, has been really pretty stingy through two games in in these categories specifically. Sooners are only allowing 1.8 points on drives that cross their 40, 11th nationally. They've only allowed the opponent to reach, reach the red zone three times through two games, and they forced field goals on two of those trips. That said, Nebraska is the best offense Oklahoma has seen to this point. It should be able to create scoring opportunities, maybe not as many as Nebraska has had over the first three games. So continuing to maximize what you get out of those trips will of course be crucial. The Huskers hit their season average. They're probably putting themselves in a pretty good spot, assuming, of course, that average doesn't come on a absurdly low number of trips, which is possible against a Venable's defense. Average for Nebraska again is four point nine, but since this is Oklahoma week, and to me, that still means more. We'll round it up: five points per trip inside the forty. That's the number. Probably need at least six trips. Nebraska's to win this game. it's probably going to take at least 30 points. but I do think the Huskers have a shot uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show. I think they have a significantly better shot than than they would have a week ago or even well, depending on when you listen to this than they would have coming out of Georgia Southern last Saturday night, let's put it that way. So they get the chance to go out and take a swing uh against a historic rival you know i i am of the age where oklahoma was the team i know for some people it was colorado texas a little bit in the big 12 but for me it was always oklahoma i'm always going to be happy to see these two teams play it's a little bit shocking to think about uh just how much has changed uh for both programs, since they played a year ago, um, I guess you could call it a, a a Lincolnless team is coming to Lincoln, and all of a sudden, well, Nebraska is without the coach that coached it that, that coached it uh, in that Oklahoma game last year too. So things go. It's been a wild week. It'll be fun to just get back to football and we'll get to see what Mickey Joseph can do. He's got a basically nine game on the job ad- audition for keeping this head coach role beyond this season. And I think Nebraska still has a good chance in most of its remaining games. Uh big issue of course being the defense. Was Georgia Southern just great game plan, right timing, who knows. Um defense is going to have to play better than than it has, but Huskers offense, I think, is going to give them a chance in most games. So we'll see how it goes on Saturday. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. If you like it, do your podcast chores, rate and review it, tell a friend, subscribe. Listeners of the show with the promo code I-80 at hailvarsity.com slash subscribe can also get a discount on an overall Hail Varsity subscription. We just put out our September issue. Uh, all of which had to be reworked on deadline day because Nebraska made a coaching change, but as tiring as that day was, that's kind of the fun stuff too. And, uh, we take a lot of pride in that magazine that we put out each month and would love to, uh, have you become a subscriber if you aren't already and see what it's all about. Thanks again for listening.